Welcome to an In the Money Players podcast special edition focusing on the Pick 6 carryover at Aqueduct on Thursday afternoon. Nick Tamaro here. Second week in a row we've had a Pick 6 carryover on Thursday afternoon. I was joined last week by Andy Serling. We'll go a different direction, but somebody that does work for the New York Racing Association as well. Sarah Elbadwi joining me today. Sarah, this is the I think third or fourth time we've gotten together, but you've hosted every other time, so I'm excited to to wear the hat today. And excited that you're having me on. I really appreciate it. And uh, always great chatting with you. And looking forward to this sequence because uh, it seems a little bit tricky, but there's a lot of decisions to be made. And I'll uh, look forward to discussing it with you. Yeah, I thought I thought similarly. Um, it does look a little challenging. Looks like the weather should be okay. There's two turf races in the sequence. Um, no issues there. So let's uh, go ahead and dig right in. It's going to start in race number three at 224 Eastern time. The carryover is $37,483. Had a lot to do with a couple of big prices winning on the turf on Sunday afternoon. The first leg is a three other than optional claimer with an $80,000 tag at six furlongs on the main track. And Sarah, the conversation starts with running son of a gun who comes in seeking a prep for uh, some opportunities down the line at Belmont after missing the Carter a couple of weeks ago. Do you think that you could see yourself turning this into a, a pick five proverbially and, and singling running son of a gun and just moving on? Well, I think that's the correct first question to ask yourself. Um, the thing with this horse is that he was consistently outrunning his odds last year as a three-year-old. And unfortunately, the rest of the betting public caught on to this fact. And he was able to get that graded stakes win of his own in the bold ruler. But this isn't a horse that has consistently been the winning type. He's been a check getter against obviously much tougher company than what he's facing in here. But I think you have to ask yourself that, is he really reliable as this four to five favorite and possibly even lower because he doesn't really have any early speed and he is facing a horse off of a layoff with speed to his inside with Mr. Phil. So I think this is likely a horse that I would lean on significantly, but I don't totally fault anyone for wanting to look outside of him and try to beat him. Yeah, you mentioned to me the clearest alternative. Who is the two, Mr. Phil, back off a lengthy layoff for Rob Atris. This is a horse who he claimed for 32000 and um, immediately got quite a bit out of with three straight wins that that led to a couple of stakes tries. Rob Atris is 15% off 180-plus day layoffs and dirt sprints, just a 76-cent ROI. You know, that matters, of course, because those numbers are not consistent with where he is normally, but I do think there's an element to uh, to this gelding that probably makes you want to just go ahead and, and throw caution to the wind as far as those stats go, because he does have that pace advantage. He's also going to be treated with Lasix once again, which he did not get in both the True North and the Tale of the Cat. So you'd say you'd probably want to split up your action using Mr. Phil, maybe just a percentage of what you might end up having on a running son of a gun? I would say so, because I think you're going to get rid of a lot of other people's tickets if you find an alternative to do the five running son of a gun in here. But there isn't anybody else that I would be inclined to use at all. Yeah, I agree. I picked Wendell Fong third, but that's a distant third. I mean, if this is not the, if this is not uh, running son of a gun to me, it almost has to be Mr. Phil. Interesting matchup in that first leg. Let's go to the second leg, which is race four at a mile and a sixteenth on the outer turf course, and you've got forty thousand dollar maiden claimers going postward here. We'll be dealing with a favorite in the seven electorate. I'll go ahead and go first here, so we at least alternate a little bit. And these are the kind of horses that it seems like you're sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I'd rather take a swing against this horse, mainly because she's really not done much running. And she has made two starts prior 
at Tampa Bay down, spaced out by almost a year. And uh, I understand she didn't get out of the gate that well, didn't get much of a pace to run at last time, but she just didn't do much running at all. Chad Brown has actually very, very poor numbers by his standards, dropping turf routers in New York in for a tag, 21% with a buck 16 ROI. This is a horse that they're basically just waving the white flag on and they don't matter. I at least found some alternatives. I like the five Jet City woman for Anthony Dutro going to the turf. A cloud computing has a limited sample of horses that have gone to turf and but does have three first out turf winners. The dam was a winner on the turf. She's dropped a couple of turf winners. This is a thin pedigree in the first two generations. I don't really like going much beyond that, but I did in a way to make as much of a case as possible for this filly. And the, the third dam, second dam is a half to Lady of Shamrock, who was a, a multiple turf winner, graded stake winner on the turf for John Sadler. So I think there's enough turf here to, to at least get me interested. I also think that she can be somewhat forwardly placed in a race that uh, really doesn't have much depth whatsoever. I guess, unfortunately, I'm going to have to use electorate a little bit, but I might try and play some tickets where I get a little bit more ambitious with Jet City Woman, maybe a single to bit, and then a little bit of help with the seven as a backup. What did you think of this second leg? Well, I'm totally with you that there's a lot of red flags with electorate. And also she was in an OBS winter sale and RNA out of there for $24,000. And now she's in for $40,000. So they were trying to get rid of this horse. And I think that this is going to be a spot where they can clearly do it. And look, she can win. But I think it's uh, it's fair to want to play against. And I'm with you. I think the five Jet City woman makes a lot of sense for uh, Dutra, who's still seeking his 2000th win. She, I mean, the turf pedigree isn't really there, but you can find it if you want to, just like you mentioned. And I think she she makes uh, some sense switching to this surface because she kind of runs like a horse that would appreciate being on the turf. Um, the other one that I would use is the number four, Night Saber. And Horacio De Paz doesn't have the greatest stats first off the claim. He's only three for 33, so 9% with a $1.66 ROI. But I think that she'll appreciate returning to the turf and, and getting a little bit of class relief on this surface because the Dam Tesoro was one that went three for seven, one at a mile, five furlongs, and six furlongs in a listed stakes on the turf. And City of Light has not been the greatest dirt route sire so far. He only has one dirt route winner out of 30 to try it, but that took some time and was fairly recent. So this is one that has shown a little bit of early speed, getting a jockey upgrade. And I thought that she would be an alternative that I wanted to use in addition to the number five Jet City woman. I like it. I think those are a couple of clear alternatives to the favorite who I think we're we're both willing to try and take on a little bit in that second leg. Race number five is the third leg at a mile back on the main track. And I thought this was a relatively wide open group as well, Sarah. Where did you land here in race five? Yeah, the first thing in my notes is fairly open race with uh, logical short price favorites in the number two, Salta de Tigre, and the number nine long term. But for me, I kind of wanted to take a little bit of a swing with the number four winning connection who intrigues me a bit at a price as one that has shown progressive improvement lately. And while he'll have to take another step forward, he's been uh, one that I, while I think there's kind of this blanket over this field, I can't not include him. And he was third in his last, or the third place finisher in his last race. Kingfish Stevens was one that did just run really huge the other day while switching to the turf. His last race he was on this. This was his second fast track in seven starts, too. So this is one that I think might just be heading in the right direction, has run his best number to date last time. And with another step forward on the dry track again, I think he was one that intrigued me as the lone three year old in this field. And then the number five mandatory is another one who 
Um, he has two consecutive seconds now. He's been facing better horses, in my opinion. And he also shows that progressively improving um, numbers in his buyer speed figures, going from a 71 to a 74 and then an 80. So I think he's another one that could take another step. Yeah, I, I like it. I think you you want to look for for maybe some alternatives to Salta de Tigre and, and long term. I don't have much of a problem with either one of them. I picked mandatory. I actually thought there's a world in which mandatory maybe not having to do all the heavy lifting on the front end might help him. He didn't set much of a pace last time, so I don't want to give him a ton of excuses, but I did think that uh, that he might be a little bit better in a situation where he can have a target. So I'm hoping that that's how things play out a little bit. I do like that he elevated his game on the jump in class last time, facing Callaloo and from another mother, who are both very solid horses. I don't know who the speed to his inside might be that could keep him get, or put him in a position where he can track someone. Maybe Norgay shows a little bit of speed from the inside with the uh, with, with the risk, of course, being that you lose position totally if you let everybody else go. I didn't really see much beyond those uh, those logical types. I would probably use the two, five, and nine in um, in, in various capacities. I, I might try and be a little more aggressive with the five and nine. I don't really know um, how much I, I like Salted Tigre. He fits well, but he comes in off and he comes in off a second place finish and his second straight start on a sealed track. He could be helped, I guess, a little bit by being on a dry surface as well. There's just a little, it's a little something missing from him for me. I don't know exactly what it is, but um, he certainly is good enough as well. So that's, uh, we'll see if Sarah's uh, thoughts with winning connection can pan out. Undoubtedly, this is a, uh, Patty Reynolds is, an, is a, one of the more underrated trainers on the circuit for sure. and has been for a long time. So I, I'm always willing to hear a case for, for any of his horses. Did you have any, give any consideration to the seven bread man second off a claim having one last out for Rob Falcone, who just continues to roll at the, uh, the still somewhat young spring meet. I don't know. I thought that this was just going to be a much tougher group for him. And while his race last time was decent, I just didn't really see a major case for him against these types of horses. I thought so too. He, I had a, a negative formulator stat as well. Second off the claim off a win on dirt, just one for nine with a 31 cent ROI. So we'll see if uh, he can perform at the same level in that fifth race onto the sixth at six and a half furlongs on the main track. I felt like this race was overloaded with speed and that that was probably going to set the table for somebody coming from a little bit off of it. And it felt to me like the horse that, that I could at least embrace that's going to be somewhat forwardly placed as ragtime blues. He got, he got the best of it at the pace draw or at the post draw, no doubt about it. And I do think that the, the $20,000 starter allowance race that he comes out of was a tougher group top to bottom than what he meets here. And um, he, he ran better in watching the replay of that race. He ran better than I realized he didn't run as well as he did two and three starts back without question, but he ran better than, uh, than I realized at first, just as somebody who bet Looney, Looney that day, um, I was, I was, a little remiss in, in overlooking Ragtime Blues' performance. You know, with that said, I think every bit of the three, four, and five make a lot of sense as well. I know I'm a little little chalkier than I'd like to be, but Oh Trouble was compromised by a slow pace last out at Laurel. A victorious wave is certainly capable of staying a little bit farther off of it if the situation prevents it, uh, presents itself. And Letty was on the inside last time. I don't think it was a bad rail, but I do think it was a situation where he didn't have much of an opportunity to put his best foot forward, and now he comes back off a a layoff and claim. So three, four, five, and 10 in, in, in different ways for me. Where did you land here in race six? Yeah, we see this one very similarly. I guess Letty is the most interesting of those horses now with the Mike Maker barn um, being claimed from the Linda Rice barn because I don't know what to do with him. He might not be very good, but at the same time, he's also been kind of compromised. And now he's facing, I think, easier company for this barn. And 
there's a case to be made for him certainly, but you know, does he get the trip that he really wants? Cause he's another one that wants to be up close. And I don't think that he's going to be alone up there for sure. Um, I totally agree with you that ragtime blues will sit that nice outside stocking trip and oh trouble i don't want to dismiss either because i think both he and ragtime blues ran very well in that race against lunisima and there's no lunisima in here so i i have some chalky feelings about this race as well yeah it felt and i really tried to entertain all the alternatives it just doesn't look like any of them are good enough you know, maybe if there was one less speed horse, if, for example, I mean, if, if a horse like airport scratches, um, or for some reason, maybe ragtime blue scratches, I could hear a case for motion to strike, just having to be under the gun from the start. But, you know, this is a horse that they claim for 16 ran twice protected and is now potentially coming back on, on three days rest, um, in, in a situation where he's going to have to gun it from the rail. We'll see if he ends up even participating, but he got involved in a pretty fast pace here on Saturday also, race number seven, two more to go in this sequence. We go to the outer turf course at six furlongs. And I thought this was a fun and competitive group where you could at least make a decent case against the favorites. Did you see it the same way? Uh, yes. Susu Summer is just not a very trustworthy type of horse. And while he has some speed and he'll be forwardly placed and he can win, I just 14 races and, and one win for a horse like this, it's going to be five to two just doesn't really interest me that much but um with where to go outside of him the seven elusive edge coming off of an extensive layoff was one that if he is who he used to be i think that he's a major player in here at, at, at a fair price and while the layoff numbers are not exactly great for the Hemingway Barn, um, they're not too awful either that I'm totally deterred from uh, taking a shot with this one if he can show some of the ability that he used to have back in 2021. And the number eight horse was one getting on the turf for the first time that interested bit there isn't much grass pedigree and the trainer stats aren't that great either but i think you have to get a little bit creative if you're looking outside of sasua summer um because some of these horses uh you can make somewhat of a small case for them but i didn't really see an alternative at a price that i could make a really strong case for yeah you know the other favorite that's uh, worth mentioning and, and worth poking holes in is uh, the one Kawaimia River who's going to be returning off a layoff again this is a horse who uh, understandably got the winter off 21 into 22 but then he only made two starts in 2022 and was sidelined after a third place finish behind Big Everest obviously having the uh the benefit of hindsight now that that run looks better than it did probably at the time with Big Everest now being a multiple stake winner. And I didn't think Hawaii River ran very poorly at all. He ran fine. Um, he's just a horse that's going to be a lot shorter price than I kind of need in order to, to get excited. I'm with you on Sosua Summer. He's collected a lot of excuses. And and quite honestly, I really don't know where his maiden win came from last year. He he. He did win on the cutback. Maybe that's an angle this time around going from the two turn seven and a half back to six. But uh, the horse that I wanted to try in here that, that I picked and, and maybe being slightly creative is the two after five. I know you don't really expect a horse claim for 14,000 out of a three life to go into a one other than on a different surface and have success. But those two turf sprints run at Aqueduct in October and November last year, I think are a good they give a good indication of exactly what kind of horse this is. He ran extremely well on October 16th to be second. That was a super fast-paced race. Um, the the third-place finisher came from deep in the pack. The winner came from a little bit off of it. You know, to use a little bit of a gauge of how fast that pace was, look at Ikigai. 
who came into that race in pretty strong form and he set the pace and was just nowhere. I mean, he completely stopped and we know that Icky guy for, for any fault that he has is a very fast horse himself. Well, then he came back and, and virtually nothing went right when he landed in a race that was totally dominated on the front end, ended up being wired by a horse of 58 to one. And so I think his form is just darkened enough now off the claim for a guy like Patty quick, who does have a couple of wins at the meet but you know, is not one of the one of the guys that you're really going to see people go nuts for at the windows. I thought this horse could be interesting from a little bit off the pace with uh, with Trevor McCarthy on the rail. Um, I I also think Ikigai is dangerous to wire this field. I don't think there's any kind of appreciable bias on the turf course. But we saw on uh, Sunday afternoon how dangerous a horse that gets loose on the the outer turf horse can be sprinting. I, I shared your similar sentiment about elusive edge who I think is easily good enough to win. I do fear the layoff and whether he'll be ready off the long break, but you know, this felt like a race where you're supposed to be a little bit clever because there are alternatives to the, uh, to the favorites, both the Kawaii river and so Sua summer. That's right race number. The- yeah, go ahead. I was just kidding. Anybody else would not surprise too, too much. No, I mean, I even I wanted to try and see if maybe I can make a case for Winter Sun, who scored a huge upset win on opening day at Saratoga last year. I decided I couldn't, but um, <laughs> he's a horse that I mean, if he were to win this race at 15 to one or so, it wouldn't shock me by any means. He at least has a running line you can point to and say, OK, well, there was something there. Um, he just and he was able to reproduce it off the off the layoff or on off the uh, surface switch. So that does. Uh, is it for race number seven on to the eighth, where I highly doubt either of us are going to have a lot of conviction in this uh, nightcap. How are we going to get paid here, uh, Sarah? That's a great question. Um, you know, number three, Gentleman Burglar is a horse that I think ran really well in his debut last time, even though he ended up finishing fourth because he was really hustled into contention on the inside and fairly game trying to continue on. And what was a pretty fast pace in there in that race where the number seven in here, Mr. Busta was second at 57 to one and reunion tour finally won in start number 27 as the favorite, of course. And I think that he could just really improve off of that effort, getting a bit of an education, having to be inside horses and really, you know, not giving up in a race where he absolutely could have thrown in the towel. And that's what iron horizon did in there. So I have some interest in both him and Mr. Bus- Mr. Busta, um, but I think the number five Aerodromos too, you'd like for him to stay on the racetrack a little bit more, but he's a little bit intriguing now dropping down for the first time. Um, I think Thomas SP is going to be a first time starter that takes a little bit of money here with Manny Franco getting on, but Serpy's only two for 21 first time starters in dirt sprints the past five years. So he's 10% with a 76 dollar or 76 cent ROI and the dam has had several foals to race but none of them have won on debut so I don't really see a strong first time out angle with him um you could even make a case for the number four the golden one first time gelding also dropping for a lower price tag um first time with Amirisha Shockley and I mean even the number eight Pentagalli has a little bit of uh interesting precocity with the dam having one first time on the dirt and uh, the barrel barn not terrible with first time starters and dirt sprints so there's a lot of ways to go but uh i'm a little over the number 10 uh Baron marchese or marquez whatever we're whatever way we're saying it 
Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I don't have much affinity for for Baroni Marchis, who um, is back off a long layoff for Orlando Noda. This feels like a horse that's going to be over bet. I really don't know how much running he's done either. He is in for the waiver off the layoff. Maybe that's why. I mean, he's a 25 horse anyway, right? So there's no, no big uh, angle there. I'm going to tell you that you're lucky that Andy is off tomorrow because he would give you a long lecture on how to pronounce the eight's name. And and he would add, he would, he would <laughs> surmise from it that you're not a Godfather watcher because there was a character in the Godfather named Frank Pentangeli. He's going to give me a call right now. Even like his spidey senses are tingling. In fact, without even I, a release of a podcast episode, I know, I know that he's just like something's twitching. The only thing I'll promise you is that I will not let him know about this. This will be our secret plus our our listeners, um, because the last <laughs> thing we need is a is is a, is is an angry text or phone call from Andy, who is supposed to be vacationing in upstate New York with his mother. Um, as far as this field goes, uh, you know, I, you you touched on a lot of the horses that make a lot of sense. I thought Gentleman Burglar was interesting. I thought the Golden One was interesting as well. Don't know how much uh, Golden One was helped by being inside last time out at Gulfstream. Usually. The rail itself, I didn't do the whole the whole cards worth of work. This race really wasn't worth it, to be honest. But it felt like you probably wanted to be a little outside, which is a normal thing. I thought of the firsters, I could make a little case for the six Dakota's Destiny. Progeny of Destin are not particularly good first time out. This is an okay damn side, though. The damn won five times. This gelding is a half to Mr. Pete. Um, the work tab looks okay. Natalia Lynch has actually had a little bit of success on debut, not a ton. She doesn't have a huge barn. So it, it just, you felt, I felt obligated to look at every possible alternative because these experienced horses just, I mean, they give you no, no interest <laughs> no warmth <laughs> at all, right? I mean, they, they re- really do. They give you no interest whatsoever. So you're like, okay, I have to try and, and find everything. And, and, you know, Mr. Busta, who you mentioned, was 57 to one last time out, right? So, I mean, how are we to expect that this horse is going to perform at the same level two times in a row? So, yeah, I mean, every, probably every bit of, of uh, the two, three, four, five, and a little 10 for me in the nightcap, I'd have to grade it out depending on scratches and, and budgetary capabilities. But I do think we at least highlighted a couple of opportunities earlier on in the card where you could go maybe a little bit thinner in order to give yourself some flexibility here in this difficult nightcap. Absolutely. And I think too, if you can beat some of the favorites earlier on, you, you're you looking at a decent payout or a possibly yet another carryover into uh, into Friday's card. So there's a, there's a lot of ways to go within this sequence. And I think that you can get yourself paid at least a decent amount. I agree completely. It's a fun sequence, no doubt about it. Won't be all that surprised if we are talking about a double carryover into Friday. You're going to be on Talking Horses tomorrow, right? Uh, no, but I am going to be on America's Day at the races on Sunday. Oh, well, there yeah, you go. That, easy, is, uh, easy, that is next. Easy personal plug. Yeah. So no, that's good. <laughs> we'll, look in, we'll look forward to that for sure. And the next time you're on Talking Horses, we'll look forward to that as well. So Sarah, thanks so much for, for joining me. Everybody can catch you on Twitter at Outrun the Odds, right? Yes, that is where you can find me. And um, if, if Andy hasn't heard by Sunday about my uh, godfather butchering, I'll, I'll let him know. I think that's the best thing to do, right? It's uh, Admission is the first step to recovery. We're not going to make you watch the movie just yet, but you will at least have to admit that you didn't know the pronunciation. So we'll go easy on it. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for joining me. Big thanks to all of you, the listeners out there. Rate, like, subscribe. If you're not a member of In The Money Plus, go ahead and do that. Headed towards Derby. We've got a tremendous amount of content coming your way over the next couple of weeks. And uh, keep it right here on your uh, Apple Podcasts or however you listen. I know there's a variety of different ways. I'm sort of a Luddite in that 
department. But uh, thanks again, and big thanks to Sarah Elvadwi and our friends at the New York Racing Association for their sponsorship and partnership. Until next time, best of luck.